What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods, and we're coming at you with another episode of our Big Ten and 31 Days theme. We're rounding out the month here. We have Illinois now, and we are joined by Joey Wagner, who's an Illinois beat reporter for the Alana Inquirer for 247 Sports. And I just want to say, man, I, I appreciate you joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Look forward to it. We just talked to Brett Bielema today and got a feel for things. So oh, it's fun to talk about football in a stretch of uh, a pretty crazy basketball season here. That That's that's a fact. Well, we're going to get to Bielema. I have some opinions on him, you know, being a Auburn SEC fan. I remember him back in Arkansas in the, in the Wisconsin days, too. But I want to start with 2020. It was a crazy season, man. COVID and a lot of change in Illinois. Two and five, but two big wins over Nebraska and Rutgers, both on the road. Did this season fall, meet, meet or exceed your preseason expectations? I, I think it fell short of it. And obviously that was culminated with, with Levy being fired at the end of the season. You know, this this Illinois team last year came in with a lot of expectations in the sense that they had all of these seniors. And this, this was kind of the roster in the year that Lovey had built to his recruiting class had finally grown up. They had had all these starts under their belt. And it really did seem, you know, really boosted with transfers too. Like they, they went out and got Brandon Peters and Joshi Matarabebe and they had filled this team out and kind of gotten used to one another. And they just didn't win. And the defense continued to, to really fall short of expectations. And COVID certainly didn't help. They were without Brandon Peters for three games and contact tracing sidelined. Doug Kramer, their center, let me try to run back who it was. Uh, James McCourt, their kicker, they, they just were, it's just kind of disjointed throughout with, with the COVID thing. But the, the losses, the issue really was they just weren't competitive in some of the losses. They open up in week one against Wisconsin. And really kind of hung around for the better part of the first half. And then in like four minutes, it was over. And it was just Wisconsin, right. bang, bang, bang. And that was the end of that. And that's really how a lot of games went. And there was some closer, you know, they played Iowa closer than I guess the last time Iowa was there, which was a 63 nothing <laughs> win. So, like, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And that's really kind of the backdrop of this, right, is how much of it was a talent disparity between Illinois and the Big Ten, which I personally thought they had closed the gap during Lovey's tenure in that regard, and how much of it was coaching, how much of it was, okay, now this team has 16, I think, of these super seniors back. Now we'll see, okay, was this a coaching issue or was this a talent issue? It's kind of this ultimate test, I guess, kind of lingering over this team right now. Right. I mean, uh, I, I thought, I mean, listen, uh, people look at the records and everything, but with COVID and everything, you got to kind of wipe, I guess, the slate clean. And also the two wins, I know the names like aren't really there, but a road win over Nebraska and what Rutgers was last year, really shocking the Big Ten. I feel like those are two wins that the players and the fans had to at least appreciate a little bit. You know, the Nebraska win was a really big deal in the sense of like, and that's not in the sense of like Nebraska was so good, but in the sense of that was kind of the Illinois team that they had promised a little bit in the sense of having all of the seniors and Brandon Peters was back after his COVID thing. and He looked really good. I mean, that, that was one of the better Brandon Peters performances I can remember in his time here. And I, I think kind of the lingering thought was like, okay, they hung with Purdue a little bit when uh, Brandon was out and Isaiah Williams, the backup quarterback, was out for contact tracing. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. So then the third string, Matt Robinson, comes in the first game and hurts himself. And that they were down to a four-string quarterback <laughs> for the better part of the Purdue game and then the uh, Minnesota game the following week. And you thought, well, I, it wasn't the worst thing you've ever seen on a football field, right? And you thought, okay, what's going on here? Nebraska, they look good, and it's thinking, oh, there's still a little time to salvage this year and, and make it a little more presentable, and it just never really got back on track. They beat Rutgers, but it was kind of ugly. It was a game-winning field goal, and they'd missed opportunities here and there and everywhere, and it, it just was mad. They couldn't put it together, and it's the, the wins were big and kind of gave a little bit of a jolt of life. They just didn't sustain much beyond that. Right. And, you know, I want to get to the decision. I mean, the Big Ten was in the spotlight from the beginning. August 11th, Kevin Warren made that decision to postpone the season, I believe, less than a week after him and all his associates make this conference-only schedule. They tossed it to the side and they postponed the season. Was Illinois one of the schools that was fighting back against this decision? I know Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State were very vocal in terms of they wanted to play what was Illinois' plan, and what was your personal reaction to Warren's decision? When we talked with Lovey Smith, I mean, he was clear. Like, they, they wanted to play football. They had gone through the, the test. They were bummed when it got canceled or postponed, I guess, if you look at it that way. And, you know, they, they weren't out there like Nebraska was. Like, Nebraska really, really fought back. Ohio State, and as we saw, given what the team they had – for good reason, they really fought back. I mean, they wanted to be in that college football playoff. And I was surprised a little bit um, because, like you said, they released the schedule. And, you know, they had started – some schools had started – Illinois, for instance, had started as fall camp. And they had gone through some of the – like the, the non-padded days. And at the day they were supposed to get the pads on and get going, then there was – kind of everything started to blow up a little bit, and it was on hold, and the Big Ten said, don't move forward. And when that happened, it became pretty clear, like, this isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be. Something is going to change here. Uh, you know, I, I think probably Kevin Warren maybe thought other people were going to jump on board with this, uh, other conferences. Yeah. And that, you know, the SEC, I mean, I don't know why you would think the SEC was going to follow that. <laughs> that was going to happen. Uh, the Pac-12 did, the MAC did, and – you know, I think at the time you can look at the, the arguments Kevin Warren made, and look, I don't know that he thinks everybody was going to jump on board, but certainly they didn't after he made his decision. Uh, right. you, know, you can look at where we were as the country at the time and where the numbers were and, and find some logic in his approach and what he did. But the reality is all the way down, and we've seen it in basketball now, the communication just has not been there, and, and it's left a lot of stuff up to – interpretation a little bit. I mean, we don't really hear from Kevin Warren that often. Um, so a, a little bit surprising. Yeah. And then it wasn't long after that. I was like, Hey, guess what? We're back. And here's this new schedule again. It's like, okay, is this going to, it's just a very probably poorly communicated ordeal and, and just so herky jerky in the sense of one day you think, you know, something, and then, you know, you've got these players, and Lovey Smith and Josh Whitman did their best to inform the players as much as they could, but they're finding out a lot of this stuff in their apartments on social media. And that's just yeah. a bear beast right now, right? I mean, that social media drives so much. But it was just – all of it was just kind of this 
strange experience about just getting a football season. And look, understand that is a big thing to tackle to play college football in the middle of a pandemic. You look at, you know, they're, they're unpaid athletes. You can look at all these different things as to why it was a, a big decision to make, but it just, I just didn't feel like the communication was ever right with it. Right. And I mean, uh, we are very critical on this podcast about Kevin Warren's decision, about making it way too early. You didn't have to be first, but the main thing was to be right. We ended up getting the season in, but on the field, a player that interests me for Illinois is Brandon, is Brandon Peters, quarterback, transferred in. He's returning for this upcoming season, and he's a very talented quarterback. I think he's probably one of the most overlooked quarterbacks in terms of college football what does he bring to this program going into next season? And what are your expectations for him moving forward? You know, we, we were just talking about that today. Um, Brandon's got all the arm talent in the world. I mean, he's a good passer, but he consistency just hasn't been there, uh, especially in the sense of accuracy. He's not really been that accurate at Illinois. Brett Bielema today said he wants to hear – Brandon be a little more vocal. Brandon's kind of a quiet guy. He's, he's a very – I mean, I like talking to him, talking shop with him. He's a very smart guy. He understands the game. He's got the talent. But, uh, you know, we, we just haven't seen that real vocal leadership out of him. And maybe that's not him. And I'm not saying you can only have success if you go that route. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that Brett brought that up. Uh, last season, so hard to get a gauge because he did miss three games. And, you know, the backdrop to all of that was Isaiah Williams' hot shot redshirt freshman. You know, they were splitting reps, and it just was kind of helter-skelter in the sense of, I mean, like the Wisconsin game, for example, Isaiah had a whole drive until fourth down, and then they bring Brandon in on fourth and two, and it's like, well, wh- how is there going to be any consistency here? What's he supposed to do? walking out there for the first time in a drive on fourth and two and needing to pick it up. And, you know, it's just that kind of whole thing. And, you know, obviously Isaiah was one of the highest rated recruits Lovey Smith had ever gotten. So everybody's been watching this kid like, okay, when is it going to be his time? And then if Brandon struggled, you would hear it a little bit more in the fans and it's time for Isaiah. It's time for Isaiah. And Isaiah has this it factor that he can, he's a very captivating person. He, he's very, very, athletic he can make everybody in the world miss him uh he's he's not the tallest he doesn't have all the arm skill that brandon has right now and i also just don't think that brandon was a fit for former offensive coordinator rod smith's system i thought he could exist within it and i thought he you know wasn't a net negative in the system but i it just wasn't designed for a player of brandon peter's skill set we saw it a little bit two years ago in two years now, they had A.J. Bush, a graduate transfer from Virginia Tech, and he ran all over everything. And he was really, really good, and the running game excelled because defenses had to had to honor him as a runner in that option attack, and, and things worked, but he shouldn't have the arm skill. So it's like they've always gotten half, but not the whole thing. And you know, now as we go into this offense by Tony Peterson, the new offensive coordinator, and it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more of a, you know, a run the ball, get the tight ends, you know, really be smart about the throws, you know, that's stuff that we can see Brandon, you know, excelling in. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I think it's going to be an open competition, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Brandon, you know, win the starting job, but it's just, you know, I, frankly, in this first year is the best quarterback Illinois had forever. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this guy right. can actually do the pass. What, what a gift here for this team. But, <laughs> it, you know, we just, he just not, 
taken it to the next level. And there was quite a bit of hype on Brandon coming in last year because his first year gets him back to a bowl game. And he had plays. He had the Michigan State game that I thought he played well. And he had played well throughout in certain games, but it just never really came all the way through. And, again, the the cloud of COVID on him and missing those three games is just really challenging. And you never really got into a rhythm. But, I I mean, the most – important person I'm curious to see about as spring ball starts next week and as they get into fall camp later on is Brandon because so much of what they can do they've got a good running attack they've got a good line you know we'll see what the defense looks like but if you get a quarterback who can utilize his skills like Brandon that's a pretty good spot for Illinois to be in because he is a very very good thrower yeah I mean absolutely and you know, now coming in, you have head coach Brett Bielema. He's had he had a, a lot of success, to say the least, in Wisconsin. He had some success at Arkansas. What do you think about this hire? Like, what would you grade this hire for Illinois? And what are your expectations for uh, Bielema as a whole? You know, I, I think it's changed a little bit because you didn't really know what they were getting when they did this in December. And the way we've talked to Brett several times since then, and to me, my read of it is, is he's had this, like, I picture this, like, book of things he would do differently if he got back into the college game. And and I don't know if he's actually got a book, but that's how I like to imagine it. So that's (laughs) what I'm going to do. He's so detailed in his approach, and everything is is very, very laid out. I think he understands what works and all the success he had at Wisconsin. And frankly, I think his Arkansas tenure probably gets looked at a little bit incorrectly at stretches because Arkansas yeah. hasn't been very good since he left. And he had them winning some games in the middle of his tenure there. It wasn't perfect. Now, I wouldn't think he would even say it was. But I, I think a lot of people like, oh, I failed at Arkansas. It's like, I mean, I guess, yes, in the sense that he got fired. He didn't leave on his own accord. But he actually had Arkansas fairly respectable for a little bit of time. Yeah. there, a really hard division and a very hard conference. I mean, I, you'd have to be crazy if I, for me to take a job in that division when you when you look around and what's in the SEC. That's just a tall order. So I I think that gets a little bit put in there. And he was also out of his comfort zone a little bit. He was a Midwest guy. He played at Iowa. He had a stint at Kansas State in the Wisconsin run there. And, you know, you're like, okay, Arkansas doesn't really fit the, the areas that we think of him to know. But I, I think he's really pressed all the right buttons in his press conferences and his appearances and what he's done since he got hired. And I, I don't think you can look and fault him for the things he said and done. I, you know, I thought he, he hired just an incredible coaching staff, three guys on his defensive side, Ryan Walters, defensive coordinator, Andy Boo, linebackers coach, and Kevin Kane, outside linebackers coach. And he's got either associate or assistant head coach title, one of the two. Those guys were all sitting power five defensive coordinators or division one, I guess, FBS, whatever you want to consider SMU, group of five, six, whatever. That's impressive to have all on one side of the coaching staff. And then you put his, yeah. you know, defensive knowledge in there. So I think he's done a really good job. The biggest thing and the best thing he's done that really, really needed to be done after Lovey was he reestablished relationships in the state of Illinois. And those were just not good. They were not recruiting the state very well. One signing class in 2019, I believe it was. I'm losing track of all of my years here. They didn't have one player in the state of Illinois sign a letter of intent with Illinois. That is that's crazy. That's bad. You can't do yeah. that. And 
Brett and his coaching staff have divided the state up into territories, and they called every single high school coach in the state of Illinois, every last one of them, from the smallest high schools to the kids, you know, classes of 50 seniors or whatever the hell it is, to now, you know, the big schools. They've done a good job of at least saying, hey, we know it wasn't good here. We, we know there's stuff to be fixed. That wasn't on us, but we're not going to run from the narrative around this program. I thought that was a big deal. I mean, you don't want to assume responsibility for something you didn't do, but you don't want to turn the you know turn your shoulder and say, "Well, we didn't even have anything to do with that." So, sorry, we don't want to hear your complaints. They, they've done a good job of balancing what's needed to begin the process of replacing those. So, I, I really think Brett has done everything he's needed to do, and he'll say it. He said it several times. He's in the honeymoon phase. This dude is zero and zero right now. The football coach at Illinois. Now, it's not going to take a lot of wins at Illinois for people to do backflips <laughs> for this guy, but he has really passed all the tests right now as he starts spring ball next week. Right. I mean, that's good to hear. I, I know I, I know everyone appreciated what Lovey did for the program, but I, I think you could agree it was kind of time to go with, to, into a new direction. But looking at National Signing Day, I love talking recruiting it, I mean, they signed a top 70 class, and they jumped almost 20 spots from where they were a, a cycle ago. Who are you most excited to see suit up for this program, and what were the biggest positional needs for Illinois this, this recruiting cycle? The, the the class that signed the incoming freshman that cycle? Yes. Yeah. Um, they, they had to replenish defensive backs. I thought they did an okay job of that. I mean, it, this was still a pretty underwhelming recruiting class on the whole. I mean, it's the bottom of the Big Ten. Maybe it jumped up a spot. Maybe it's now 12th out of 13th or 13th out of 14th season, whatever. It's not a very good class. But they have hit a little bit. Defensive back, they, they, they've done fairly well on. I'm a big fan of Joriel Washington. Uh, I, I love their offensive lineman, Brody Weiscarver, that they got out of the St. Louis area. I think Patrick Bryan, a wide receiver, could be good. Uh, but I'm drawing a uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, Daniel Edwards. Uh, he's a defensive back, a long defensive back. I think he's going to be pretty solid. And Brett, when he got here pretty early on, landed a commitment from a running back, Josh McCray, a late get. And, you know, he looks like he could be a pretty bruising, you know, when you think of that Wisconsin-style running back who's going to go in there and eat up some yards and be versatile. So this, I mean, they did a good job of keeping this class together because it gets – you know, they, they get all the commitments. Lovey gets fired like six days before signing day. And, and the, the staff in place, Josh Whitman, the athletic director, the, the players themselves really did a good job of, of kind of seeing this thing through. Uh, but it's it's an okay class. It's, it's not going to wow anybody. I'll be curious to see what Brett and his coaching staff can do in development of some of these guys because there are tools. Lovey did a pretty good job of recruiting a lot of guys with really high physical attributes. I mean, run fast, long, all of that. And, you know, I think with the belief that, hey, we can develop these guys to fit our system. And I thought they did develop some positions better than others. But it's, it's a fine class. It's not – I don't think – I don't imagine – I certainly would may well be wrong in four years to look back and be like, wow, that class of 2020. I think I think there's going to be some guys who can, can help be rotation players. But – there's still work to do. They've got to – Brett's got to get some linebackers in for this 21 class. We'll see. I mean, I think they've still got a couple spots to work. So the state of Illinois is just now starting high school football. Uh, so right. Brett's kind of looking at that as an opportunity to see some kids who have just kind of sat idly by for the fall and maybe have gotten bigger, have gotten – you know, having a scholarship or two 
in the tank that are ready to go isn't the worst thing in the world to have for them right now. Right. And, you know, going into this season with everything changing with, with Belima, all this new recruiting class, the returning starters, who are some breakout players that we could see really shine and put their name on the college football map this next season? Well, I think Chase Brown, the running back, started it last year. I, I mean, I, I am incredibly high on Chase Brown. I, I think he could still develop more. He was an awfully good running back. You know, a guy who's always – for the longest time we've kind of been waiting on this kid, and he's had an interesting journey, Luke Ford. He committed. He played tight end at Georgia. He was a top player in the state of Illinois. He transfers back to Illinois. Uh, really got an unfair shake. The NCAA didn't get him yeah. a waiver of eligibility. And I know that got a lot of – a lot of headlines that should have, it didn't make a lot of sense in the rationale behind it. And then he gets back and, you know, I think there was a lot of hype around the guy last year going in and I mean, physically he's everything you want in a tight end. I mean, just an all get off the bus team. I mean, big guy, he's a nasty blocker, but it just didn't get going in the passing. He wasn't targeted very often. I don't think Rob Smith's offense really relied on tight ends that frequently. Uh, but, but it sounds like this offense might. And Luke Ford's a guy who could really take that step and show those tools and you know, really give Illinois a nice one-two punch of tight end. Daniel Barker, another tight end, he may well lead the whole team in receiving in receptions next year. Uh, he's just a very available guy and dynamic for his position. But someone like him and Luke, and then there's Marquez Beeson. He was a four-star. He was the highest-rated guy Lovey ever signed. And he comes in, and you know, we saw him, his training camp of his freshman year in 2019. And the first week, it was like, move everybody else out of the way. Get this guy starting <laughs> cornerback immediately. He's going to be really, really good. He had his hands on everything. But he tore his ACL early in camp, missed the season. He gets back last year. He's cleared, but you know, he didn't look very aggressive. I don't, I don't know if there's still maybe some lingering – mental hurdles with his knee. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk to Marquez. He didn't play very, very much. But if they can get the most talent out of him, he was a four-star. Every college in the world wanted the guy. I mean, he, he is just a very, very good athlete. He runs faster than everybody. He's just a very good player. He just hasn't put it together yet. So they can get that out of him. And, I, you know, you like the idea of it because Ryan Walters, your defensive coordinator, does have a history with defensive backs. And Aaron Henry, their corners coach, is considered uh, – someone told me the other day he's a rising star. He's going to be a coordinator soon. He played for Brett at Wisconsin. So, you know, you got a couple guys who can get in there and help him develop. Man, that, that's a big deal for Illinois because he, I cannot stress how good this guy looked that first week, and it feels like forever ago now, but he was such a highly touted kid coming out of high school. And if he gets healthy and, and gets right and, can, I guess, stays healthy, he could really be a problem for some people. Right. And so, you know, you've got these breakout players. We've talked quarterback, new head coach. We've talked some potential, I guess, guys on the staff that could really make an impact. This schedule is difficult, man. You've got an opening game against Nebraska. You've got to go on the road, non-conference against Virginia, who's reloading this year. And then you get the in-conference foes, Wisconsin, Penn State, Minnesota, Northwestern, all going to be difficult teams. In your opinion, what is the ceiling and or floor going to be for the 2021 team? Well, some of the non-conference schedules look – I mean, you find, like I said, Virginia's reloading, but, you know, I, I think you can see them do, do just fine in the non-conference. 
you know, I, look, you can reasonably, maybe with some optimistic glasses, see a bowl game out of this. And I only because all of the super seniors came back. And Brett's not starting with this. They, they really helped a lot with depth, especially getting a late return with Jake Hansen, their linebacker. So you could see six wins. I mean, you, you could maybe optimistically, if things go well, everybody clicks, the system works. You could see them making a bowl game. And uh, the floor is a lot below that. I mean, the, the big <laughs> – right? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they don't have Ohio State. I, I don't believe they, they have Michigan either. I only double check that, but I mean, so you know, they're avoiding some of those uh, those tougher conference opponents. Now, Wisconsin's tough. Northwestern has, has beaten them every time they've seen each other recently. I mean, Northwestern is really dominating Illinois um, in the last few years. But anytime you don't have Ohio State, anytime you don't have Michigan. That's a good sign for an Illinois football schedule. Now, I mean, we'll see what Penn State is. I mean, that, that, I don't really know kind of what happened last year. Minnesota still hums along. Iowa's Iowa, and it will always be yeah. Iowa. Wisconsin, the same thing. But, you know, what, what does Maryland, what does Rutgers, you know, I think Northwestern, you still have to say, oh, there's still Northwestern, but the non-conference, right? I mean, USTA, Charlotte, Virginia – you know, you could reasonably look at that and say, "Oh, that's that's three wins for Illinois right there." And and then you could, yeah. again, optimistically, if you wanted to look at it that way, find three other wins in the Big Ten schedule. Uh, but this is a pretty good situation for Brett to walk into year one to try to get things going. Again, no Michigan, no Ohio State. Got it. Right. You know, they, they got to celebrate that. And then the super seniors. I mean, now if, if we were talking about that today, if those super seniors. If that option isn't available or, or half of them don't come back, there's depth issues, there, there's talent issues. But that really band-aids quite a bit of things around Illinois basketball, at least for a year, and gives them that bridge gap. And, you know, if they get to a bowl game, they can say, hey, we made it to a bowl game in my first year and sell that on the recruiting trail. So that, I mean, I think we could look back in a few years and say, wow, imagine an alternative universe and they don't come back. And then what is this team? But there's, there's a path right now to a bowl game. It's not easy, and certainly a lot of things have to break for Illinois, but there is, it does exist. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I, and I think the most important thing that we've seen is you have to have experience at the quarterback position. If you don't have experience there, it's always going to be a tough year. And I think there's some teams in this conference that people are overlooking that don't have that experience at the QB position. You can even look at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud's very talented, but – has he proven anything on this scale? And I think returning Peters is a huge thing for Illinois. But I want to shift to, you know, this university, this environment. This is the last question here, but what makes the environment of Champaign, what makes the environment of Memorial Stadium so unique? I like talking about this because a lot of our listeners might not have been to an Illinois game or been up there to see the campus or anything. What makes Illinois different from the rest of the rest of these universities from around the country? Well, I don't know how much of it is different, but it, it is uh, – I've not covered Illinois football and Illinois football has really been good. I, I mean, it, it hasn't been good for a while. I'm on my fourth year, and basketball is what drives Illinois. I mean, Illinois athletic is yeah. like basketball, 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 basketball. But it, it's a cool – it's kind of the old, big, you know, stadium, sprawling stadium, and they, they do a good job with that, and they, they do a good job of really trying to make that game day in non-COVID world – a fun experience in terms of the tailgating and the opportunities. Uh, 
But I, I mean, it's it, the only thing I can think of right now in my mind is walking up to this empty arena and uh, the last few months and, and what it yeah. is. They get right. And when it's good, I don't think there's a lot of fans. I think all fans are like this close away from getting back into Illinois football. Like you don't have to twist their arms, right? They just want to see something that's not losing 63 nothing to Iowa. Like they, they, they want to see some of that stuff. And, and then when it happens, I think they'll swarm in and, and, and crowds, but they've just not had that recently. And you can't blame them for spending their Saturday night somewhere else or afternoon somewhere else. And, and Brett's done a good job so far of really marketing, you know, hey, give us a chance. We're going to put all, you know, he knows how to put his program in the spotlight and, and really, and there's, there's more excitement right now around this team just because he's pressed the right buttons and, and again people want to like this team and want to be a part of this team and and go there but they've just not it's just been hard to justify recently and you're starting to see a little bit of that come back and uh we'll see but it's a cool stadium memorial stadium is a really really cool stadium you know the big the old stadiums it's it's got a cool feel to it yeah i i, I don't know why being an sec all these stadiums kind of like have upper decks and they just go higher and higher and higher. I mean, Georgia has three tiers to theirs, but I like the old, like old press boxes that just stretch all the way up. And like, you don't have a big upper deck, like the way they build out in the big 10 really interests me. And I, I want to knock off so many stadiums, man, regardless of the program history, I'm just a stadium guy. I want to try to get to as many campuses. So hopefully I can make it up there for a game soon, but man, I appreciate you joining me. Illinois football is on the rise. I'm excited to see what what Brett and this team does this year and going into the future. But where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, I know your the website for 247 is awesome. I know I'm sure you got a lot of stuff going on. So where can our listeners find you? Oh, so I'm at MR Wagner25 on Twitter. Uh, and then IlliniInquire.com, man. We, we do a lot, a lot. We, we try to churn out quite a bit of content, recruiting, basketball, football. We have a podcast that my boss is on all the time, man, and he's all over it. Uh, so those are two big places, and I think the website's top-notch and, and some of the best coverage you'll find. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, – no matter what the team, and 247 puts – such good content out there. They hire the best people. And so that's why I try to reach out to you guys, man. You guys are easily the best out there, but I appreciate you joining me, man. Guys, go follow Joey everywhere. Go check out 247 Sports, the alumni inquirer. But for for myself, for Joey, for the Blue Bloods, we are out, man. <laughs>